Three years ago in Nova Scotia, 22 people were killed in a horrible mass shooting. Went on for two days. It seemed like the entire time the public knew so little about what was going on. They just weren't given the information. And it took an outpouring of public demand for an inquiry to delve into what was going on behind the scenes with police. Now the report that looked into all of that has come out. For the RCMP, oh, there is a lot to learn here. Let's break it all down now. Alicia Drouse joins us now, reporter with Global News, Halifax. Good morning, Alicia. Good morning. How's it going? It's going. This, this report is some fascinating reading in here and certainly not very flattering to the RCMP. Can you break it down for us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so there is a lot to break down. So the report itself is over 3,000 pages. It's divided into seven volumes. So there's a lot to go through. And one thing the commissioners did really emphasize yesterday before they presented the report was that both the report and, and the public inquiry itself were never actually about laying blame, um, but rather about just investigating the causes, the context, the circumstances that really gave rise to the mass casualty of course, at police response and the steps that were taken to inform and, you know, engage the victims, families and just the public in general. And so the report included a total of 130 recommendations. So as you mentioned, police, a uh, lot of kind of scathing details in this report, over half the recommendations were specifically about policing. Wow. Okay. Some of the things that really struck me in here too was the communication issue, uh, specifically how the RCMP communicated with the public. What did the report say about that, the kind of failure there was there? Yeah, absolutely. So that was kind of an issue right from the get-go. So the report found that, you know, RCMP pretty early on, speaking to a lot of witnesses, heard over and over again exactly who the gunman was and that he was driving a a replica RCMP vehicle. So they knew that, you know, almost instantly. And it took over 11 hours for that information to get out to the public. And even outside of that information, just any information at all really didn't come out to the public. So about um, at 11.30, so I think about an hour after kind of things started happening, RCMP put out a tweet, just a tweet, saying that they were responding to a weapons complaint in the port pic area and that residents should lock their doors. Nothing else. And then there was no other information until the next morning when another tweet was issued just saying they were still on the scene. At this point, you know, they had known that there were multiple casualties, but there was no mention of that in the tweet, no mention of anyone being injured or killed, and, and still no information that the suspect was driving a replica RCMP vehicle. So the report really kind of criticized that. And family members had said previously that had, say, an emergency alert gone out, it would have saved lives the morning of April 19th. And so the report does recommend that federal, provincial, territorial governments really look at the use and reevaluate the use of emergency alerts and, and the alert-ready system and kind of come up with a way to ensure that these systems can and will be used for, you know, really any type of emergency, including these life-threatening emergencies that we saw happen in April 2020. Do we know what was going on behind the scenes then with police in terms of why? Why did RCMP take so long to tell the public? Was there confusion? Did they not what was happening? Like, what was going on? (laughs) Yeah, so there was just a lot of lack of communication just within the RCMP itself. So it sounds like, you know, some RCMP members had maybe suggested, hey, may, you know, 
maybe we use some kind of emergency alert. But then others said, no, you know what, that's not what the emergency alert is used for, or the emergency alert has never been used for something like that. That was the big thing. It's never been used. And so they didn't really know, I guess, the protocol to do that. Um, They had said that, you know, the next morning they were getting ready to potentially issue an emergency alert. But by the time, you know, that actually would have been ready, the killer had already been um, caught and killed himself. So, yeah, it's just really a lack of communication within the organization itself. And so, uh, again, the recommendations really look at that and kind of say that there needs to be a whole kind of reevaluation of of policing services, communications within the system and things like that. What did it say about missing chances to deal with this shooter prior to this event unfolding? Because he had come across their radar before, hadn't he? Yeah, he had come across the radar radar multiple times. So there was multiple instances. There was an assault on a 15-year-old outside his denturist office in Dartmouth uh, years ago. That had been reported to police. Uh, neighbors had reported concerns about domestic abuse uh, from him, as well as the fact that he had illegal firearms um, in his in his home, these things had never fully or properly been investigated. Um, and one of the things too is that even any report that was filed, they you know got rid of the reports after several years. So when a set, when something else happened years down the road, they never you know had those initial reports to oh. see oh this is a pattern. Really? Um, so you know just record keeping is a big problem. And so and the other big thing is just looking at gender based violence. So the report found that most mass casualties. Um, the perpetrators have a history of, of gender-based violence and, um, you know, abuse towards their, their spouse or their common-law partners. And so it really looks at kind of a societal shift in addressing gender-based violence. And, and that's where the report also kind of speaks to all Canadians, saying that Canadians in general need to stand up and speak out. And it specifically points to men, saying, you know, men really need to take the lead on this because women have been advocating for women's safety for, for years, but it's time that men step up too and call things out when something's not right. Now, has there, Alicia, been any fallout from the scathing nature of this report from within the RCMP? Like, what was their official response here? So the fallout itself, I mean, it's still early days. Obviously, the report just came out yesterday at noon, so I wouldn't say there's been, I guess, really any fallout. The other, I guess, important thing to note is that We've seen a lot of, I guess, turnover or um, all the senior RCMP officials who kind of were part of this response are no longer with the RCMP. They either got other jobs or retired, and that includes the then commissioner, Brenda Lucky. So she retired. So it's a new commissioner, so we're already seeing some new staff. In response yesterday, they said that, you know, they're they're looking to address uh, the recommendations, but they need time to go over the report before they can really make any any full comment. So not a lot of details on, you know, what we're going to see happen, but uh, lots of recommendations to go through. This isn't the first time they've seen a report like this either. So is it true, though, that they had the ability to communicate differently, but nobody had been trained on the right way to use the equipment, like the equipment was there, but they just weren't using it? And, yeah, that that's part of the issue. Um, like I mentioned, like with the emergency alert, it, the issue is just it had never been used in a system like this or in an issue like this before, so they they didn't quite know what to do. Um, also, I mean, even outside of communication, there was just different technologies that they had they, they weren't aware to use. So um, there was in a when they were looking at the geography of the area, they blocked off Port of Peak Beach Road where things had been happening, 
um, but they didn't realize there was another escape route. So the gunman had actually escaped using a back dirt road 20 minutes after police arrived on scene. So he escaped when police were already there. And police have, or RCMP have a way to kind of map out geographical areas, like a techno, like a, a map service, I guess, uh, to look at, you know, the topographical um, areas. Mm-hmm. But the RCMP at the time, the officer who kind of was in charge of figuring out where everyone was and the area didn't know how to use that specific program. He had never been trained on it. So it's just issues like this. Like they have a lot of different technologies that can be used in emergency responses, but it seems the training isn't consistent when it needs to be. Oh boy, there's so much to go through in this. Alicia, thank you so much for that. All right. Thank you so much for having me.